Lord, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for the team, guys. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you. I don't even feel qualified to speak this morning. I'm never qualified to speak. I'm, I want you to know this. This morning I feel a bit vulnerable. That's why my, I keep my eyes closed. <laughs> I know it's silly. It just makes me feel a bit little bit just... Lord, we thank you for your presence. And then we can't in actually add anything to your glory. And we can't actually add anything to who you are and what you do. And it's such an overwhelming thought of how mighty and awesome you are. And to stand in your midst, Lord, to speak, it's too much for me. much from my heart. Would you open your Bibles, please? Matthew. 18. We're going to read from verse 21. Last week we, we, we spoke about the authority and the responsibility we have to forgive. And all of us are nauseated about responsibility without, or authority without responsibility, or authority without accountability. It is, it is it's nauseating. We know that it's, it's, it's it's just not how it's supposed to be. This week I want to talk about the motivation and the power. You see, God's kingdom is not a democracy. And democracy is the world that we grew up in, we live and we learn about. It's funny, there's a Chinese saying or Japanese saying or Eastern saying, if you will, that says right before anarchy comes democracy. You see, when people can start to vote what they believe is right and wrong, you get anarchy. You see, the minute people can start saying, well, I am not a boy, I am a girl, or vice versa, it's anarchy. Chaos ensues because the mob now chooses. And here's the thing about flesh. The thing about flesh, flesh will always go to what is pleasurable for itself. It will always go against the Word of God. You see, if this was written by man, why is everything in here against flesh? If man wrote this, they would, it would write it for flesh. To please flesh, not against flesh, the fleshly desires. Does that make sense? Everything in this book comes and challenges what we like and what we want. 
It has to be from God. As in, he talks about a kingdom. A kingdom has got a king. And the king makes a decree. And the subjects follow the decree. The subjects can't go, let us vote. Whether we agree with the king. That's democracy. Doesn't make sense? Now we've got a righteous and loving and kind king that is perfect, that does not make mistakes, that will never exploit us, that will never harm us, never hurt us. And we have got a problem believing that because authority in our lives has proven to us in past that authority is not always righteous and loving and kind and will tap into whatever they can get off of us. But the King of kings and the Lord of lords needs nothing of us. He is self-sustaining, self-existing God. He's outside of space. He's outside of time. He doesn't need anything you and I can offer Him. He's not up in heaven saying, give me a fix of praise. No. He's not up in heaven saying, I need your money to achieve anything. To the contrary, the King of kings and the Lord of lords can do whatever He wants to. And He only limits Himself by himself he makes laws that he limits himself because he is meek a meek king meekness is power under control he is lowly he comes in lowly he rides on a donkey not a thoroughbred stallion he doesn't take political control. He dies on a cross. That's kingdom of heaven. Not everything in the kingdom of heaven we like. Today's chapter is exactly that. Not everything in this kingdom we like. I want to show you something from the kingdom this morning that you're not going to like. To the contrary, you're going to say, well, Walker, this is not going to fill the pews of the church. Well, thank you very much. But it will purify the church. It will purify you and I. Listen to us. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother who sinned against me? And I forgive him up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. So if I have to give you a couple of, let's say I have seven, I must forgive you seven. I can keep count of that, am I right? Remember now, I forgave you last week, you drove over my foot. I forgive you. And then I heard you say to other people, it was my fault, I forgive you. By the way, when you did that, you broke my gate. Okay. I forgive you. And then my dog went out and a car ran over. I forgive you. Okay? And I had to go to the hospital and pay the bills myself. I forgive you. You see, I can count. But 70 times 7, I forgive you. This is number 369th time. I forgive you. You see, this is the problem with humanity. This is a problem in marriage sometimes. Where I do this and you do that and we've got this scale. We, we, but I've done more than you. I've forgiven you more. than God says, stop counting that's what he's saying stop counting he doesn't say go do the math oh 490 or whatever what's seven times seven is four 490 so 490 i've forgiven you 489 times you are on your last life <laughs> last 
You know? I just want to see how that book looks where you write it up. We've got Kit's book, and we've got Emmy's book, and we've got Ruben's book. Everybody. It'll make you mad. Am I right? That's what's happening in the world. People are going mad. Yeah, but that one did that to me, and that one did that to me. And that. Stop counting. This is what Jesus is saying. Do you like that? No? Flesh doesn't like that. The flesh wants vengeance. The flesh wants retribution. The flesh wants justice. The flesh, the flesh wants all these things. I want to let you know, just for one second, every murderer, rapist, child molester, liar, thief, drunkard, adulterer, all of us will stand before the King of Kings. Before His righteous throne of judgment, we will end up there. Now, if you are standing there on your own strength, punishment will come. There's an everlasting punishment. But if you stand there and you say, I, I call on Jesus. I paid for me. I paid my sin. Who rescued me? The father says, oh, I'll come home. Step into eternity with me. So don't be envious of the thug and the corrupt man who drives a big car and has a nice easy life. He's already got his reward. And all the gold in the world will just be paving for me. When I get to heaven, it will be cobblestones. Do you get that? That's what this world's got to offer. Cobblestones. Paving. Pavement. Pavement. Street. <laughs> but to us, who are saved by the cross, there's a mansion. There's a crystal lake where we can swim in. Go read your Bible. There's a house built by my father for me. Stop counting. Stop being envious. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with servants. You see, God is so intelligent. He is so far beyond what we can grasp that He has to speak to us in terms that we understand. You've borrowed money from somebody. You owe them money. Somebody's borrowed money from you. They owe you money. The king in this story has borrowed people money. And they owe him money. We understand that. Hello? Who does not understand that? Everybody understands that. That's a very easy concept. You see, that is what I love about Jesus. He puts the cookies on the lowest shelf so that this man can reach it. All right. And when he had begun to settle accounts, so he brought Kay, he said, Kay, you owe me some money. Kay said, yes, the money I'll pay you back. And he came to a certain guy and he said to him, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, at one talent, 
is a day laborer's wage for a year. Times 10,000 is a payable. It's an unpayable amount. The king borrowed him money and borrowed him money and borrowed him money and borrowed him money and borrowed and it's 10,000 talents. So maybe in my budget, I can't repay you a billion. I'll never make a billion in my life bar for some divine miracle. <laughs> Where the Lord gives me a disruptive technology idea and I actually pull it off. <laughs> then I might. Amen. But as he was not able to pay this unpayable amount, the master, this king, commanded that he be, that he be sold. And so must sell his wife and his children. His left kidney too. Okay, All that he had, that he may payment be made. Is it like that? Sell you, your wife, your kids, left kidney, some sex trafficking, get some money, some black market kidney sale done. So you can pay this king. And the servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, patience. I will pay you all. The servant realizes, I need mercy. I need mercy. Lord, I need mercy. I can't pay you back. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him his debt. So when you forgive somebody their debt, what do you do? You write it off. You don't even put it in the bad debt column. Okay? You write it off. I forgive you. You owed me a hundred bucks. You no longer owe me a hundred bucks. Carry on with your life. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants owed him a hundred denarii. That is like an hour's wage. 10,000 talents. One talent a year's labor. A denarii an hour's wage. It's just give or take. And he laid hands on him. Can you pay that? Can, can anyone pay an hour's wage? I mean, maybe your hourly rate is four grand. And you borrowed me that four grand. I can, I can probably pay that back. We can make a plan. We can talk about a payment plan. But within the next year, I can give you 400, 400, 400, 400. And we, I can pay you off. It's a payable thing. Am I right? But that servant went out, found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred naughty. And when he had laid hands on him, he took him by the throat. So he somewhat chokes him, saying, pay me what you owe me now. He could no. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. Sounds familiar. He just did that. Now it's done to him. And he would not, he would not, but went and threw him into the prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what they had done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, this king, after he had called him, said to him, you are a wicked servant. I forgive you all that the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant? just as I had pity on you. And the master was angry and delivered him to the tortures until he should pay 
all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also will do to each of you from his, from his heart does not forgive his brothers his trespasses. You see, Jesus is saying, your sin, my sin, killed him. The scripture says that. The scripture says it's my sin that nailed him to the cross. He died for you, our sin. Am I right? He paid the debt for our sin. He forgave us our debt. He forgave us our sin. And then he comes and he says, let me teach you how to pray. Father, forgive them as we forgive those who trespass. Forgive me as we forgive those who trespass against me. You see, this is a continuous theme. So here's the motivation. Love ought to motivate all of us. Love is the primary motivator. For we love him, 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. That's the primary motivator. Love. If love does not motivate you, guess what will? Fear. Fear will motivate you. You see, a parent to tell a child, don't go near the electric fence. Why is a parent telling the child, don't go near the electric fence? Because the parent loves the child. The parent doesn't want the child to be choked. Am I right? Now, it ignores mommy. No, it ignores yeah. Typical child, eh? Go, 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 take electric fence. Will he ever touch that thing again? No, fear will. Fear now motivates. A cat only steps on a hot plate once. Yeah. Then it knows it's burnt. Fear. Listen to what this is. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers. You see, where there's torture, and you can go look in your life, you can go look in people's lives. A lot of time, unforgiving people, people that are, don't forgive, walk around bitter. They've got bitterness in them. They've got anger in them. It can set over. Studies have shown it can set over into disease. Hypertension, cholesterol, arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, ulcers, high blood pressure. That's a form of torture. Now, is God torturing? Because this is what he says in the next verse. My heavenly Father. Jesus is saying, my Father will do this to you if you don't forgive. So what's he saying? You are stepping out of need of his, his protection into the torture chamber. You don't want to forgive? You're going to pay the price. That's the motivation. The motivation is to stop torture. It's to stop pain. Now that torture presents itself in various ways. Now I want you to understand, um, somebody came to me after the first service, you know, remember I got this brain tumor, is that now torture? No, 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 we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world where sickness is. That's the work of the devil. No sickness is the work of God. Alright, because then you're saying God is evil. God is only good and in Him there is no evil. We're not into yin-yang. Alright? Yin-yang says there's an evil inside of God. No, but God 
is only good. In he, he, God is light and in Him is no darkness. There's no shade of it. So His only one thing is only good. But we can step out from underneath His protection. We can position ourselves wrong. His kingdom has got rules that He has decreed. We can't vote on that. We can't say, let's stand up and vote. Is homosexuality right or wrong? We can inquisition. We can get the churches to go and study the Bible. And say, let's see and pull this thing apart. You can do it all you want to. The king's decree stands. Years ago, about 27, 2010, a huge church in our country did a study on whether the devil exists or not. Okay? They had to go do a study. And they had a whole, they drew up a whole committee of highly intellectual people and to decide now whether the devil exists. And they came to the conclusion, no. Okay? Rarach? What does Revelation say? Revelation says he exists, but he's losing. He gets the hiding at the end of the day. Okay? That's what Revelation says. Revelation hasn't happened yet. He's not defeated, not destroyed, he's not cast in hell yet. To the contrary, your Bible says he's the God of this world. One of the worldly system. He's in this atmosphere. He moves around. Now, whether we can vote on that, you can come to your conclusion. And 99.9% 9, .9 of people can, in the world can vote and say it's like this. But God says it's like that. It is like that. See, it's not a democracy. It's a kingdom. The king decrees this. He says, you and I, our sin, put him against the cross. He forgave us freely. He came and laid down his life to forgive us. He tore the veil, Hebrews 10, that we might come to him. A new and living way he made for us to come to him. He says, I love you, I forgive you. Can you see my scepter, my sign of acceptance? It's reached out to you. Come. Come, you're mine. Come, I bought you. You're free. The enemy will tell you completely something different. He'll tell you, you're not good enough. You know what you did yesterday? Oh, this morning. Remember this morning? Hmm? Remember? You lost your temper proper. It's like best spin. No? God says, Come. I'll make you a table before your enemies. I'll serve you a meal. I'll anoint you and I'll make your cup overflow. I've got more than you can handle for you. Good. Motivation. But you need to forgive. You need to forgive. That's the motivation. You need to forgive. Who do you need to forgive? The guy that robbed you. The guy that molested you. The parent that neglected you. Abandoned you. Anyone, everyone, you need to forgive. You need to let go of that thing. And you and I would know when we haven't forgiven because there will be some form of torture in our lives. Whether it be insomnia, 
the inability to sleep. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's anger. Maybe, maybe you stumble. It's ulcers. Somewhere there's this torture. It can be, or all these things can be a sign of torture. You need to ask yourself, do I experience torture in my life? Go buy a new PC. Come home, it doesn't work. Every time I buy something new, there's something wrong with it. It can be a form of torture. Does that make sense? That, and it will set over into maybe frustration and anger. Somewhere along the line, you and I need to ask, am I experiencing torture in my life? If I do, it's probably because I haven't forgiven. God made man the top of his creation. And he says, you will have relationship. All right? I love the Lord. Well, I love the Lord. But I like plants more than people. I, I'm an animal person. You know, people are over there for me. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. It is a sign of unforgiveness because people have hurt you and you've decided, I would rather love animals and nature than start loving people. You cannot love God and not love people. You cannot love God and love people. How do you love God whom you can't see if you cannot love people whom you can see? Now, I'd rather love my Egyptian hairless cat. Bloody horrible, ugly animal. <laughs> Look at my cute cat. Whoa. My word. Now, that you see the lady on the street that doesn't have food. Oh, it's probably unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody. Doesn't make sense. You see, you cannot love God whom you can't see if you cannot love the people that he's made, that he died for. That's his priority. God didn't die for the cat. God didn't die for the bank account. Jesus didn't come down, leave his throne, so that some one three-legged abandoned dog at the SPCA could be loved. He came down so that the crippled man that is begging on the street with needles in his arms can be saved. That's God's love. That man be saved. It's fine if you love your dog. I'm not saying you can't love your doggy. I'm not saying you can't love your cat. But if you start putting them above people, there's something wrong. If you are binding yourself to a tree and say, don't cut it down, it's indigenous. Don't cut it down, it's indigenous. But you walk past 10 people that are begging for food, there's something wrong. That's most probably unforgiveness. 
And now I'm not safe with people. I find torment being in the company of people. I stand at the brine. Everybody speaks. I turn around and I walk away because I'm melting. It's torment. I can't voice my, I can't air my opinion because people are looking at me. It's torment. No one sees me. No one hears me. It's torment. It's probably because of unforgiveness. Yes, the power of forgiveness. Yes, the power of that. It sets you free. It doesn't set that person free. It sets you free. When you forgive, you open the cage so that you can come out. You and I. So when I, you think that robber still thinks about you. The guy that smashed your window took your handbag. Do you think he thinks about you? No, he doesn't. He's looking for the next one to smash and grab. The guy that took you for a ride, do you think he thinks about you? No. He doesn't think about you. He's on to his next target. Doesn't make sense. The guy that lied about you, do you think he was like, he's taking the time? Oh, you know, I, 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 you know, I've pro Roger probably got hurt about that lie, you know? No. He's taking his beer with his buddies, and that is such a fool, and having another beer. But back at home, that man, I'm not in there. I'm gonna hit him with a car. I promise you, I'm gonna back just back up to make sure it's him and then spin the rest out as I go on. Yeah. They'll need a DNA test to identify his remains. <laughs> anger. That's torture. When we forgive, not yeah, not yeah. See, verse 35 says, So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each one of you from his heart does not forgive. See, you have to give up your right to be right. You see, somebody took, took your money. Somebody took a knife and stabbed your car's tire and it's four grand a tire. But just because he's not lacquer. You can have an intellectual forgiveness. Oh, I forgive him. I forgive him. No, I've forgiven my parents. I have. I have. I've forgiven my parents. I'll never be like them, though, you know. Oh, my. You said that. Who said that? I'll never be like my parents. Who said that before? Come put up your hand. Who is it? Come be exactly like their parents. Oh, there's some honest people in here. <laughs> Funny bunny. Uh, I'll never treat my children the way my parents treated me. And then, oh, I've become my father. <laughs> Unforgiveness. Judgment. You see, because it's from yeah, it's not from yeah. When we forgive yeah, we relinquish our right to be right. If they've stolen your money, You've got a right to be angry. If they've lied about you and belittled you, you've got a right to be angry. Now take that right and give it up. Otherwise you can become dead right. Some of you know my definition of dead right. You're driving in your car, 120 
on the highway, it's 120 zone. You're going where you need to go. You're going straight. You're in the right place, aiming the right way. And up there, there's a truck coming down. He's flashing you. Get out the way. He said, no, I am right. You're wrong. You get out the way. No, I am right. I'm staying in my lane. Boom, you did right. <laughs> You've got to give up your right to be right. You've got to give up your right to see vengeance happen in that person's life. Or what if your dad would come and say, I'm sorry. Is it going to change what happened? No, it won't. What if your mom comes to you and say, I'm sorry I abandoned you. Will it change what happened? What if the molester comes and relies in front of you and says, please forgive me, I harmed you. Would it change what happened? No, it won't. It remains. It happened. And the only person that's been captive in that is you and I. When we forgive, that's the power. It breaks us. Forgiveness brings healing. It can be physical healing. It can be emotional healing. Listen to what the word says. You and your miss is not on the same page. Stop praying. I'm not hearing you. Forgive her. Magrach. We don't like this. We don't like this. This is not nice for the church sermon. Oh, it's a very good message today. We're gonna, I'm going to bring my buddy next week. No, I don't even know how to talk to my buddy. But you know what my pastor said? Jesus says, the Father will put me in the torture chamber. Yes, because he wants you holy and he wants you clean. And he wants you purified. He wants you to walk in freedom. And he started it. He said you remember when you stole, and when you lied, and when you cheated, and when you got drunk, and when you did that thing to that lady, you remember that day? When you came to me, I forgave you. I didn't keep it in my little black bookie. Oh, let me just open up. Yeah, yeah here's Rustin's name. That's number 472. It's only got a few left. I'm counting I got my shelf. Even Almighty. Rustin, file number 482. He begged me. I chose to forgive him. No. God said, while we were his enemies, he loved us. While we were lost, he said, I'll come and save you because you are mine. I forgive you when you come into jesus you are forgiven now go forgive that's the motivation and the power the motivation is i don't want to be handed over to the torturers if i'm finding torture in my life lord show me who do i need to forgive who do i need to forgive because i don't want to be in that space and the power thereof it sets me free. It can stop sickness and disease. It actually makes my prayers to be heard. Jesus says, when you come to the altar to bring your sacrifice, <laughs> you know that one? Sunday morning. And you find in your heart you've got something against your brother. Leave it there. Go fix. I'm not accepting that until you do that 
Why is the Lord not hearing my prayers? Well, it's easy. You're walking with unforgiveness. Go fix it. Go fix. Because you say you love me. Love the people. Let's close our eyes and we pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Lord, that this morning we are standing in your forgiveness. We are standing in your throne room that's filled with your Shekinah glory, your Kabot glory. We're standing in that place. And we are forgiven, Lord, not because of us being so cute and doing everything right. But we are forgiven because you paid the price, Jesus. For the remission of our sins. So that we can become the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. Standing in right standing relationship we are for our Father. Seated on His mercy seat. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you. Lord, And maybe we forget. Because we're human, Lord. Maybe we forget what you've forgiven us of. Maybe we've forgotten the hole you came to save us out of. Maybe we have forgotten it is our sin that has crucified you. Will you renew that to us, Lord? Make our hearts sensitive to that again. Lord, maybe we're blind to where we walk with unforgiveness. Will you show us? Will you reveal to us? As we go home, Lord, that you, your Spirit wouldn't stop speaking to us about this. That your Holy Spirit, we ask you, come and work in us, come and reveal to us where we need for, to forgive. Show us the torture in our lives. Maybe we've become so accustomed to it. That that's just part of life. Father, you're not a spirit of confusion. You're the spirit of truth. That anyone that walks out this building will not be confused by the message. But that the truth would be revealed. Help us to forgive from the heart. Help us to forgive from the heart. Come deliver us, Lord. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, as we sit, I just want to bless your children. I bless them this morning. Once again, with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. With the love of our Father. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Let's go have some coffee. God bless you.